Hello, welcome to the latest episode of Data Unchained. I'm your host, Molly Presley. So what is the Data Unchained podcast all about? The paradigm for data access has changed a lot over the last 10 or 20 years. We had the advent of the cloud. We had the advent of local computing capabilities that drove more and more data being created out at the edge or in workstations. And in this decentralized world, getting data to remote workers, remote teams, distributed applications across cloud regions is a real challenge. Data Unchained digs into both the challenges as well as the solutions in making data an asset that's a globally accessible resource. Today's guest is Marie Deleseluk. I hope I got that right. I did the best I could. (laughs) And she is the director of analytics in a really fascinating industry. Um, Marie, I told you this when we were prepping, and um, I've been looking forward to today. It's such an interesting job that you have um, in the industry that you're in. So thank you so much for taking time to join us. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm very excited to be there today. Awesome. So before we jump in, maybe you can share with our audience what it is you do um, so they can understand better why I'm excited to talk to you. Um, so, yeah, I've been working in this industry for more than 13 years now. And um, I started as a data analyst for uh, in-game information. So looking into uh, what people are actually doing in our game, uh, you know, we are implementing metrics and we're looking into their actions and we're trying to optimize um, the game so they have the best possible experience. But also we look into, um, you know, numbers like acquisition, attention, monetization, uh, the more like the business aspect of things to, uh, to see how we can optimize um, the like revenue from our products and so i started as i was saying as a data analyst and then i created at edos montreal a um, data analytics team uh, that was composed of data analysts and data scientists and we were working directly with the um video like the developer the, the people doing like making those games um to be able to to help them during the development process and once the game was released um and so i have been managing this team and helping, you know, putting things in place, having the, the best possible standard and process, uh, making sure we were, you know, uh, capable of answering the uh, questions um, and the requirements of uh, everyone we were working with. I think it would be interesting. So I've when I was looking at your LinkedIn profile, your background is the Guardians of the Galaxy game. I assume mm-hmm. that's one that you've been working with pulling analytics out of. Um, very cool. Can you talk a little bit about how does that done when you're talking about video games, rich media, you know, it's not just binary text files. Um, t- can you talk a little bit about how do you gather information from a video game environment? Yes, absolutely. So what we uh, are doing is basically implementing what we call metrics, um, which is like a packet of information that is sent when someone do a specific action in a game that we define uh, as being important to you know look at so for instance when people you know die we want to know where he died um how he died why and so on and so forth um when people are logging to the game when people are uh, killing an enemy or doing using the specific features so those kind of um, you know metrics are being implemented in the game it's completely you know gdpr compliant it's completely anonymous uh, i don't know who is the person who is doing this action? I'm just interested in aggregating the data uh, to look into pattern and find, you know, tendencies um, in the behaviors of people playing the game. Um, And so those are then, you know, sent 
through a pipeline process and transformation process um, into the cloud. So our, um, uh, you know, data lake was Google BigQuery and uh, we had uh, like different team of data engineer and DevOps managing, you know, in the background, all of this infrastructure. Uh, so we would be able to access the data in, uh, you know, the format uh, and at the level of quality that we needed uh, to be able to do our work. Do you worry, it seems like data quality and finding um, the correct data sets can be really tough in data science. Is it a little easier for you because you have control of the environment and the data sources? Or is, um, that, is it just as challenging for you as any of those out there struggling with the data source problem? For sure, always uh, something very, very, um, you know, uh, important to us. So to the point where I have actually a, I had a, a data a Q analyst um, inside of my team, uh, and he was in charge of testing those metrics, making sure the data was of the quality we were expecting, you know, sending red flag when it was not the case, um, and being in constant discussion with the people implementing those metrics and also the people managing the, the infrastructure to see where there were a problem, why there were a problem, and so on and so forth. Um, so we would be able to like trust the data we were actually using. Um, it's it's always it's always a very very uh, you know um, contentious <laughs> subject uh, because there is always the question of who is in charge of making sure that the data is actually of the uh, acceptable level level of quality. In my opinion, it should be detected when there is a problem, um, you know, as earlier as possible in the process. So either when people are testing when they have implemented the metrics, but also once the infrastructure is in place and we are sending our metrics, um, detecting, monitoring the data uh, on the DevOps or data engineering side to be able to see if there is any abnormalities that we should be aware of. Uh, because we can test the metrics themselves, but we can't you know, test necessarily um, when there is issues in the database itself. So for instance, it's for some reason, suddenly the data is being um, creating like, there is Dublin in the data uh, because the pipeline is not working as it should. Um, it's going to impact our you know dashboard, automated dashboard, um, and we don't necessarily have the time to retest every of those things each time. So we really need to have people looking into this um, all the time. And it's always a question of who has time for this? Do we have enough resources? Um, What's, you know, how do we know where the problem is coming from uh, and so on and so forth. So monitoring the data is an extremely important part of all of that. That makes sense. When you think about um, the infrastructure that's necessary for your team, do you work, how does that work within your the organization as far as is IT, is it development, is it the data team? Who kind of makes the infrastructure decisions or how do you influence that? For your yes. workloads, so the infrastructure it was managed by Square Enix. Uh, at the time, we were part of Square Enix, and uh, there were a an analytics team in London, the headquarters, and they were the one implementing all of those things. So the data engineering team, the DevOps team, and the BI um, analysts were all parts of London. But we were still always in the process because we were the end users. And we had our own specific requirements, as you know, uh, an like a team in uh, a development um, like studio. And so we had those, you know, discussion about roadmap for implementing changes or 
um, what kind of standards should be followed to use the data and what kind of process and who should be in charge, responsible, you know, accountable of what, um, when there is an issue or when there is a question and so on and so forth. So we were able to use this uh, infrastructure and, you know, suggest um, changes or improvements to the team that was actually managing it. And where is the data coming from? Is it coming from the gamers console or is it coming out of where the game is running up in the cloud, where are the data sources originating okay. from? So for in-game information, but we were not looking only at that. We were sometimes looking for, for different kind of, of uh, data. But let's, for in-game data, what happens is those packets of information are being generated uh, as soon as the metrics are being implemented. So they are generated as soon as someone is playing. So let's say you are developing the game and you play the game and like you, you want to verify some stuff, you are going to, to generate metrics. When people are coming to play the game during playtest um, in the development process, they are going to generate metrics. And this is this information we are going to use to make reports and come back to, you know, developer and say, okay, so you had those objectives, you had those questions about the playtest and what people should be doing or under outstanding on enjoying from the game that so far, like as it exists so far. Um, and this is the answers we have and some recommendations. Um, and once the game is being released, people are basically playing. So uh, as well, it's not necessarily coming from their console, it's coming from the game itself, generating this data and send it, sending it to Google uh, BigQuery. Okay, interesting. And then there's the business data that you have to work mm-hmm. with too. That's not really the in-game data, maybe less interesting yep. to us consumers, but just as interesting <laughs> to the <Absolutely>. organization itself. <laughs> so you can know. you talk a little bit more about data governance and mm-hmm. how do you um, think about it? What are the risks? It seems like with everyone becoming very aware of AI recently, everyone's also becoming more concerned about their their privacy, their data usage. Yep. Um, how does that come into effect in your job? And as the leader of the group, what do so you have it, to do to yes, in policy? It, it's a very, very good question. And um, actually, it impacted us a lot because GDPR was released and it's changed a lot of things in what we were able to do or not. Because one thing people are not necessarily aware of is people can ask any, any companies that are collecting data from their activities in a game, in, in an app, in any of those kind of things, to disappear from their database. So what it means is you need to have processes in place uh, to be able to erase someone from every possible source in your company, um, which is far much more difficult and far much more expensive than it might look uh, in the first place. It's just not uh, as simple as, like, you know, select, erase um, a specific ID in a database. It's it's going far m- much like broader than that because we have information about uh, potentially uh, their email if they subscribed. We have information about uh, tickets they might have open with us. Um, you know, any of this kind of things. So this was the idea of having this data lake where we were sending all of those information, not just in-game information, but customer service information that we extracted with API from, you know, for instance, Salesforce or stuff like that. Um, information about people coming in the studio, information about, um, like, you know, uh, 
PR um, like journal review and stuff like that that we were extracting from uh, another you know, software that we were using. So we would have everything at the same place. Um, and all of this company and app, they have their own GDPR you know, compliance things in place. So we just have to send a request to them to say, hey, by the way. Um, but for us, we had to be sure we were able to like find someone and in very, very short time, um, make it disappear from everywhere. So data governance is extremely important. It's just one example of why it's so important because you need to know what kind of information you are collecting, where it is going, how it's being used, and optimize this process as much as you can. Um, there is no you know, data analysis. There is no data science, um, no dashboard or report. If the data that you collect is not you know, usable, trustable, <laughs> and um, can, you know, like can be properly used without, you know, also ruining your company because uh, you didn't optimize um, your process or your pipeline as you should have. And suddenly everything is costing a lot of money just uh, to, to use, like to do a request or any kind of things like that. Um, so it's, it's very central, you know, like all of those reports, all of those dashboards, it's very much like the type of the iceberg. There is like this big, big thing underneath the water that is like data governance and uh, data management and data infrastructure, uh, engineering, all of those kind of things. Uh, so data governance is, is extremely important. And we had a lot of discussion with London uh, regarding how, you know, um, we were collecting things, where it was sent, who could have access to what, uh, for which reasons. So for instance, should analysts have a right access to the data? Not really. Like they just want to do report and dashboard. So uh, we are not going to allow that. Um, you want to be able to create, you know, table. Well, creating table is more expensive. You have to actually update it with cron job each night. So maybe you should use a view instead. Um, you know, all of those kind of, of rules uh, that we discussed together and ended up being what allowed us work. Um, so, yeah. So it sounds like it's a combination of you were fortunate to be able to move everything to a single data lake. So yeah. you can make policy decisions or deletes or whatever it is from a single location. And then also a lot of policies around, like you said, the usage, the creation, who has access and what type of access. Um, did that come primarily? Was that your responsibility or did you have a no. compliance officer? Can I talk a little bit about just who's, who's making these decisions in an org? So as a director of analytics, data governance was part of, um, you know, my responsibilities for the studio, not for the group. So um, I, what I was doing basically is looking into, okay, who is using what kind of information? Who needs to have access to things that don't have access to at the moment? How can we collect this information? How can we send it to the you know, data lake where we, People are going to be able to use it, um, and so on and so forth. So this is how we ended up doing more than just in-game, just in-game analytics, and uh, started to work with customer support people, and also providing to the developer of the game not only metrics about what people were doing in the game, but also their team were actually working within Jira and Perforce information that we were able to extract um, to Google BigQuery and stuff like this. So it was very much, okay, what kind of source do, what kind of data do we have? Who is using it? Um, are they missing something? Like, is there things that we could do to make it like, work for them better? And um, how is it going to be used? Like, who is going to use this data? Who is going to have access to it? Who is going to do the report and the dashboard and so on and so forth? And once the dashboard exists, 
um, is it going to be, you know, uh, like shared with all of the studio or is it going to be for a very specific person who needs this information? Um, so it's, it's a lot of like delicate, you know, rules and standard and everything. And of course, for the data governance of the infrastructure itself, um, we had back and forth with, with the people managing it in London. So it's okay. So for instance, uh, in the case of blah, I need um, an analyst to be able to ask, ask um, a right access and be given access for you know this and so on and so forth. Um, so it's a, it's a lot of, of discussion. It's a lot of um, strategy thinking. I think it's a lot of what's okay. That you have data. That's nice. Um, where is it? <laughs> in which format? What do you do it? Do with it? And what? Do you not do with it? <laughs> and mm-hmm. How could yeah. you actually do something with it? Um, and make sure that all of this is following relatively the same rules. Uh, so we, are, we don't have to manage like 25 different systems and 25 different uh, data and, uh, and rules for, for each of those. So when you think about, your, yeah, you have a lot of data, you have complex processes we've been talking about about accessing, analyzing, um, who is using the output from your team? And like within your organization, um, how do they interact with the data? Or I yes. presume they aren't technical always. So no, um, maybe share a little bit about that. <laughs> absolutely. So of course, the, the very first person using those reports are the analysts themselves, because they are going to analyze the result frames for each instance of a playtest, or when the game is being released, we have to produce reports for the eye management uh, at, you know, the studio, but also the um, Square Enix group, West. Um, The second one are developers, the one who are doing the game. So people that have access to what was done by a player uh, before and after the game was released to be able to, you know, improve on it, uh, understand what's happening and so on and so forth. So we had self-service dashboard uh, for the playtest and once the game was released where they were like automated process and the data was updated each day and we have information about a lot of different things. So uh, once the game was released, we had like a lot, a lot of data um, that was not always given access to, to everyone. So for instance, the revenue was not accessible to all of the studio, but um, information about the number of play acquisition, you know, the number of people, the activity in the game, um, what kind of feature was used, uh, how it was used, if the economy was balanced in the game, uh, so on and so forth. This was actually accessible to everyone. And the idea was for people who are like, who may, who created the game to have an, an idea of what worked and what didn't, but also for those new people, um, making a, a, like similar or different game, uh, to see how this particular game, um, uh, performed and what they could learn from that. And of course, there is also uh, eye management looking into more like business information. So acquisition, retention, monetization, when there is monetization, uh, or simple, simply revenue each day um, if there is not to like follow up on the uh, KPI that <laughs> is going to help them answer questions and understand what happens um, when there is uh, the necessity for it. So a bit of everyone, basically, um, depending, but, but not everyone has access to the data, but not the same data necessarily at the same time. So for instance, you know, our manager, like um, our studio head, doesn't really care about self-service dashboard for the playlist, but he's going to be very interested in self-service dashboard um, about acquisition and what's actually happening if people are playing the game. So 
once again, governments, who is going to look into what. Uh, but we are trying to make sure as many people as possible that need the information have actually access to it. And how does this affect the consumer or the gamer's experience? Um, mm-hmm. You know, often people have to make the choice, do I want my data shared or not? And this is a case where there's some true benefit because it's going to make the game better. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, how does this affect the end product of the game experience? Yes. So during development, it depends on the kind of games, really. Obviously, if it's a live game, there is going to have regular updates where people are going to like see um, a bal- like rebalancing of powers, for instance, for, for different characters, or a rebalancing of the economy when something went very, very wrong, or uh, simply, you know, like solving some bugs that were detecting uh, through the metrics or any kind of those those things that are going to make it the best possible game for the person who are actually playing it. Um, before the game was released, usually it's during pretest that we are going to have like a data that we can use to also like answer like the dev question about is this feature working? Um, is the uh, are the player exploring the map as you wanted them to? Um, any of the kind of question they might have about what they, they are creating. Um, so, it, yeah, the, the the metrics are basically helping the developer understand what people are doing in the game, if they are enjoying it using different kind of analysis and uh, what they could do uh, to actually uh, improve it. And by the way, uh, since we are GDPR compliant, it means we are also asking people before they start playing if they are willing or not uh, to share that information. So we are not uh, help answer your question. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and this, it seems like the data space is just changing and evolving so fast. Yep. It's hard to keep track of everything that's happening almost every day. But which tools or new technologies, whether it's machine learning, deep learning, other things, are starting to be adopted or of interest in your space? Oh, that's a good question. So, of course, G- GPT has been uh, the talk uh, for the, the past, uh, you know, uh, couple of weeks and months. And um, I think it's going to have, like, it's going to be used more and more uh, for different kind of, you know, um, like you, like, for instance, text generation in games. Uh, I'm thinking about barks or any of these kind of things where mm-hmm. you could create mm-hmm. Uh, more interesting things to say for uh, NPCs or, um, or stuff like that. Um, but not only there is also the question of translating um, everything that is being created. Usually a game is being created in, in English and then you have to translate it to every kind of language. So I think those kind of tools might also be um, a good help for people doing this work. Um, and there is more and more also um, the creation of agents in games. So, you know, um, NPCs that are actually more, uh, or enemies that are more realistic, that have, like, that can learn uh, from uh, their experience in in, uh, in the game and uh, interact with the player in a more, like, you know, realistic way, for instance. Um, there is also the usage of blues agents for um, testing the game. So deploying agents in game uh, to to ask and ask them to do very specific, um, like action or ask them to learn from their environment and see where there is potential bugs um, and 
find them like faster because you can deploy a lot of them. Um, so there is um, a lot, a lot of, of application. We personally um, like developed a tool that was able to scrap information from um, different reviews. Uh, for instance, Steam reviews or Metacritic reviews uh, and um, like journal, journal uh, you know, articles, any kind of those things. And we're able to determine what kind of topics were being discussed with, uh, you know, uh, topic modelization and what kind of sentiment was associated with that. So it helped us better understand the reception of our games, but also reception of games from, you know, the competitors. And we could compare and we could say, okay, it's, it looks like people are not very satisfied by blah. And we could go to the marketing team and say, guys, <laughs> I think uh, you, you need to do something. You need to communicate with players because they are not very happy about this or they didn't understand some, some aspect of the game um, and, or some aspect of your communication. Uh, so that's the kind of things. What we wanted to do also was using machine learning to actually, or AI, help um improve the game system. So, for instance, an economic system in a game is a very delicate thing, but also a very difficult thing to balance. Um, lots and lots of, of time. What game designers are doing is putting up numbers, having an idea of the curve they want, crossing their fingers, <laughs> and hoping <laughs> that it works as um, as it, it should. Like, I'm obviously, like, exaggerating a bit. Um, but the point is, with a you know, machine learning tool, you can do these kind of things far much more easier because they are basically designed to optimize um, problems. Uh, so you could say, okay, I would like um, a player to be able to, you know, collect not that much um, resource or as that much resource at X points in the game. And you could look into how to input different, you know, number to the parameter of the game uh, so it would be possible. So, for instance, I don't know, like the uh, respawn rate of uh, the different resources available, the number of resources in a map, um, the emplacement of these, and so on and so forth. Uh, so it's um, it's very exciting. It's, uh, it's It works for economic system, it works for combat system, obviously, also. Uh, so if you want, for instance, a, uh, you know, boss to, a boss fight to be, I don't know, it's like 10 minutes in average for a player. Um, you would be able to like make people play or deploy agents against this enemy, and you could say, okay, so this is the parameter I should put. I should input in on those enemies so the player um, can't kill them too easily or can't defeat them at all because they're far too you know difficult. Um, so yeah, there is uh, there is so many so many so many applications because machine learning and, and deep learning um, have so much to offer. Basically, uh, they are tools to optimize problem, and we have a lot of problems to optimize. <laughs> so, uh, I know some people are also using this for, uh, you know, like the, the like the geometry of uh, of uh, the, the, the characters uh, to optimize. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, uh, I'm very not um, like a specialist of this, but uh, like the, the different uh, um, the aspect of the NPC and, yeah, and shape exactly, and everything. Yes. Um, that's fascinating. It is very. Um, So as we tie up, maybe just talk a little bit about some of the other challenges. You mentioned things like working across time zones and some other areas that are still a tough challenge for you. Would you share a little bit more about that? 
Yes, um, one of the biggest challenge we had was the fact that uh, people in London were five hours away from us. And Meaning you're in that Montreal, first, is that right? Yes, I'm yeah. in Montreal. So it means each time there were an issue, basically after 1 p.m. for us, there were no one uh, to answer our question. Or there were people and we were feeling bad because it was like four in the morning for them. Um, so we we had this challenge and uh, what we ended up doing uh, was having someone in, in Montreal uh, that would was like would be able to answer our question and um, you know like do anything that needed to be done. Uh, so things were suddenly working um, because it was like it was impeding our ability to to work. Uh, and we in a video game, you know, the video game industry is, is a very very fast uh, mm-hmm. industry. Like things are going fast. Like the dev, they don't have time to wait. Like. A, a week before something is done, uh, because in a week their game is going to be different. They, they are going to have made so much, you know, changes to it. Um, so, yeah, it's we we were still always we were always in communication. We had those meetings where we were like keeping track of the roadmap, keeping track of what was coming for us and for them, and if they were going to have any changes in you know the data governance and data process. Um, but when there were issues, uh, we we asked for like for someone to be actually present. Um, a solution we could have also implemented, but we did not uh, because we, we didn't have the time well, like a, a team, like a teeny team of 10 people, um, was getting empowered a bit more, um, maybe being given access to DBT and letting our analysts uh, doing some of the uh, you know engineering work that was required uh, when some issues occurred, but uh, it was not something they were super willing to do, which I can under- understand. They, they felt like they were going to you know lose some uh, some control over everything, and uh, we didn't necessarily have the time to learn DBT on top of everything else. So um, didn't want to take the risk yeah. of not yeah. understanding the the implications. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And doing like terrible things that um, everyone were going to hate us for. So <laughs> we're like, you know, you know what? Like, I laugh. Is- it's not funny, but it is. It's a big decision because once you make yes. it, you can't go backwards, right? Absolutely. And you're suddenly accountable for anything bad happening. So uh, we're like, Lana, let's, we have, we have, you know, a uh, data engineer uh, in Montreal uh, from this uh, like global IT team. Uh, so let's have the professionals do the professional work, basically. <laughs> And you had mentioned the importance of a dedicated data engineer in these projects. If you're making maybe a recommendation to your peers, maybe not even in the gaming industry, um, there's a lot of the same challenges yeah. that, um, you know, I was spoke, speaking to somebody in life sciences and they're, they're, they call it the right to be forgotten. But if you are as a patient want to be deleted, but they call it yeah. the right to be forgotten, you know, they're trying to solve those problems too. Um, it seems like a good professional data engineer is one of the things you really recommend bringing yes. into the organization if possible? At least in the organization. So it could be someone in the IT team that would be given, you know, um, like the latency to help solve our issues. Or it could be someone directly on the analytics team. For instance, people at Scorenix Montreal, um, they had a data engineer in-house in their own team. And he was the one, you know, taking on the request from their team and basically like doing all the, all the work of either changing things um, or at least discussing with people in charge so they would understand and make the change. Uh, and I think it's it's actually a good idea because like I, I think, for instance, the QA analyst in our team, like 
such a huge change um, in terms of having metrics being tested and the quality of the data being sufficient. And I think that a data engineering house would have the same kind of effect. You would have someone who understands your team, who understands your, your requirements and can, you know, transform them or at least like discuss with the people who are going to, um, to do the work. Marie, thank you so much for joining today. Um, I find it just so interesting that you're working with real-time environments. So very few people get to do that. We're you know, real-time feedback, real-time data yeah. collection, trying to you know, work with de- developers who need to turn code releases probably daily or close to it. All that's just super fascinating. Um, so I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to share some of your experiences with our audience um, who, you know, a lot of places are still putting a lot of these infrastructures and pipelines in place. So really appreciate you taking the time. It was a pleasure and um, I liked it very much to be able to discuss like a subject I am so passionate about. (laughs) Thank you. Have a great afternoon. Thank you. You too. Thanks for listening to Data Unchained, powered by Hammerspace. To learn more, visit hammerspace.com. If you have a guest you would like to hear on the show, email me at molly at hammerspace.com. Mm-hmm.